Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Liar by Justine Larbalestier. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. Have you tried the Radio Public app? It's a great app where you can find all of your favorite podcasts like this one. You'll experience the same great content for free and we'll receive a small kickback every time you listen there. This is a great way to support any podcast you enjoy. Come find us over on Radio Public. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free and so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out this book yet. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. We're going back into the archives for this one. Liar by Justine Lerbalistier came out in 2009, but it's still a book we think about, and we wanted to talk about it today. Micah Wilkins is a liar. She'll lie about anything, not just for personal gain, not just for a good reason, but to see how easily someone falls for the lies that come as easily as breathing. But all that's behind her now. When her maybe boyfriend Zachary is found dead, her whole life is thrown under a spotlight. And this time, she's going to tell the whole truth. Well, almost the whole truth, anyway. So, Danielle, when you first read this book, probably, like, I don't know, eight years ago, you did not love it completely and with every fiber of your being. Can you briefly talk about some other things you've been very wrong about? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, there was that extended period of time in our lives where we had soup every night for dinner, and I thought you liked soup, and you don't. <laughs> so, so probably about the same level of wrongness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so right out the door, I want to say that our dear friend Mandy, Amanda K. Morgan, has kind of brought me around on the liar thing. Yeah. And... You know, I thought, oh, she would be a great person to, like, do this episode with, but we already have her coming on next week for Girls with Sharp Sticks by Suzanne Young. So we thought, like, a doubleheader wasn't necessarily in the works. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Mandy loves liars. And so I tried to go into this book on my second read thinking, like, Amanda loves liars. Mandy loves liars. Maybe there's something to this. Um, And? No, it's just not... Uh... Like, I get it. Like, it's it's like a choose-your-own-adventure, which version of the story you want to believe. But whatever. We could talk about all that in the spoiler section. So, one thing I appreciate as a reader is that Micah talks directly to us. She positions herself as setting the record straight. She says, I will tell you my story, and I will tell it straight. No lies, no admissions. And the book is called Liar. So, like, it's right there. you know from the jump that like you cannot trust her so i do like that a lot it didn't sneak up on me like some other books that i can't name because even naming other books would be spoilers right yeah god i just love this book so much i loved it when i first read it i've read it probably like four times so there was a whole brouhaha when this book first came out when the publishing industry decided to just whitewash the crap out of it. And the original advanced reader copy had a white character on the cover. What? It was like the face of a white girl. And so like the internet was like, 
no, like you can't do this. Micah is clearly black. Like you cannot have a white long haired girl on the cover and say that she's Micah. Um, so they did change it, which was really incredible. And we wound up with the really great cover that we got for the book. Um, but so this was this whole thing. And like, I remember getting this book then because I'd, I'd heard about it from that, but I didn't know a whole lot about the book. But I, I was very like, publishing doesn't think books with black people on them can sell. Fine, publishing, fine. So I bought the book and then just loved it all to pieces. I really love Micah. I think she's an incredible character. Her voice is really captivating and just everything about Micah as, you know, this character who her lies have defined her life in this really obvious way. Like she goes to school and she just like, decides yeah i'll just tell everybody my father is an arms dealer and i'm like oh yeah i definitely told those kinds of lies that i was like elementary and middle school elementary and middle school high school college anytime i'm on an airplane okay i think that airplane lies are different (laughs) okay so i was thinking about you and i read this conversation between justine larbalistier and john green on her blog about liars And Justine calls these sorts of lies, reinventing myself lies. And that is exactly what you do. Anytime (laughs) you have the opportunity to tell someone an absurd story about yourself, you do it, which is crazy because you are a helicopter pilot. But I don't do this with people that matter. Like, I don't lie to like people I care about in my life. It's just like if you're sitting on an airplane... Nobody wants to hear, like, oh, I'm on the way to visit a very sick family member. Like, no, you tell them you're going to audition to the Metropolitan Opera, because that's a much more interesting story. (laughs) So there's a line where Micah, it's later in the book, and they're talking about, like, all the different reasons that psychologists have decided that Micah lies. And one of the things that she says in there is, nobody has ever suggested that I lie because the world is better the way I tell it. That is me on airplanes. I'm like, yes, that exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a favorite fictional liar, and I share this person with Justine Larbalistier, and that is Lyra from The Golden Compass. It's right there in the name. (laughs) So I guess when I was reading that book, I was saying her name Lyra until the birds in the trees are like, liar 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 and i'm like oh i get it but (laughs) (laughs) but i love lyra and there's this quote about her which reminds me of you which reminds me of micah and now that she was doing something difficult and familiar and never quite predictable namely lying she felt a sort of mastery again the same sense of complexity and control that the alethiometer gave her And that, of course, is from The Golden Compass, which is part of the Historic Materials trilogy, which everybody needs to read because it's awesome. That was quite the explanatory comma. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we talked about lying. Let's talk about the book. This book has split timelines. It has like a before and an after, which is how you really know stuff is going to go all over the place. Anytime there's a before and an after, I'm like... Okay. And interspersed with each other. It's not like, I mean, there's before and after and like looking for Alaska, but like there's a clear delineation of like, this is the before and this is the after. But for this, it's like all intermixed and intermingled to kind of like build this narrative of the story of Micah and Zach's relationship and Micah's relationship with herself and family. And that's the way that it's all like splintered together. 
Yes. And Justine actually shouts out the editing program or the word processing program. I guess it's kind of both Scrivener, which allows you to like storyboard and move cards around and like, I don't know, reading these sorts of things like they're definitely a brain twister, but it all works out. And the before, and this is like page two, so whatever, but the before is before Zach dies. And the after is after. So one other thing I find really interesting about the structure of this book is that kind of the way that it comes together is in a lot of ways the way that stories come together. Like you have the narrative, which is what you want to say. And then you're like, oh, but this happened back then. So let me go back and explain this a little bit and that sort of thing. So like throughout the whole way that the book is structured, it's framing it as this way that Micah is building her story and her reality or telling the truth. And just how that comes together is, I think, a really interesting way of seeing like the way that your brain puts pieces in place, not always in order. Yeah, I can totally see that. So one of the things I wanted to mention in the spoiler-free section that we will return to after the break is that the first piece of this novel that Micah readily identifies as a lie that she is telling, so she identifies it in the book as a lie of omission, is that when she arrives at her new school, a teacher assumes that she is a boy, she does not correct them, and then her classmates assume that she is a boy. And she lives her first two days of school with everyone believing she's a boy. So we're going to come back to that. But I thought that it was a really interesting piece of Micah's character. And with that, friends, we'll take our first break. When we come back, we'll share about things we like a latte. Then we'll return to our discussion of Liar and dig a little deeper. Hey friends, we need your support to keep making this podcast happen. One easy way to show your love is to order our book choices through our affiliate links. This will be at no additional cost to you, but we'll get a small kickback to keep our show going. Up next, we'll be discussing Girls with Sharp Sticks by Suzanne Young. Pre-order this book through our affiliate link in our show notes and help us keep bringing you great content. Happy reading! Welcome back, y'all. It's time for Things We Like a Latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week? Well, Amanda. Well, Danielle. (laughs) So my Thing I Like a Latte does not start with the Thing I Like a Latte, which is plagiarism. I don't like plagiarism at all. Hot take. (laughs) I know, right? Basically, I follow a romance writer on Twitter, Courtney Milan. I love her work. She writes a lot of Regency novels. I love her stuff. And she basically came out this week and said, my work has been plagiarized by this person and so has a bunch of other people's. And she totally stood up for herself and a lot of other people were able to come forward and say that they had been plagiarized. And it's not an easy thing to do to like say, like, my work has been taken But it's definitely like a thing that, you know, if you are an artist, like you should feel able to stand up for yourself. But there's sometimes like a lot of industry pressure not to like, and especially as women, like, you know, don't cause a scene, 
don't stir the pot, like play it cool, it's better for your career. And I'm just so proud of Courtney Milan for like standing up for herself. And that's the thing I like a latte. That's great. How about you, Amanda? What's your brew of choice? Well, I haven't had too many brews lately because I'm in training. And so the thing I like a latte is like the helicopter manual and (laughs) Coast Guard policy, uh, which is not super interesting. But I did watch one episode of a show that I found really interesting as a person involved in search and rescue and as a helicopter pilot called The Horn. And it's basically this documentary series of a rescue team who does the ice rescues and climbing rescues on Matterhorn. And it's really great just like seeing their process and the tools that they use and how they all work as a team. If you are at all interested in helicopter flying in ridiculous conditions or ice rescue or rock climbing, any of these things. I think it's a, I think it's a cool show. I've only seen one episode, but I'm looking forward to more of it. That was The Horn, and that's on Netflix. Wow, that sounds really cool. Do you think you're going to keep watching? Uh, I think it's good for now because it feels almost like studying, right? If I watch other people <laughs> flying helicopters, that counts as studying. <laughs> I love it. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on Liar. The rest of the show will contain spoilers, so if you're leaving us here, keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back. Welcome back, y'all, to the YA Cafe. We're continuing our discussion on Liar by Justine Larbalestier. If you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers. Spoilers! Most strenuously, we want to warn you that this contains spoilers. I cannot express to you enough, this is a much better book if you go into it without spoilers. So if you haven't read this book, please, please, please... Don't listen to the rest of this episode. Look away, look away. Just like that. (laughs) All right. right, So seriously, if you haven't read the book, go away. The rest of you, welcome to the spoiler section. We're about to do it. It's happening. It's happening. This is funny because this is like about the point in the book where the major twist happens. Right? It's about like the 30%. We're at like 30% of our show. And like the major twist is about to happen. Here it comes. Drum roll. She is a werewolf. Or is, is she? she? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This book. <laughs> you didn't love it? I loved it. So I'm trying to remember what it felt like when I first read this book because I read it right when it came out and I was obsessed with it instantly. But I'm trying just to remember and like recapture like how that twist felt reading it. How did it feel for you? Do you remember? (sighs) Oh, I do remember because you were really down on it. (sighs) You were like, I thought it was realistic fiction, then it was fantasy. And I was like, but it's not though. (laughs) I don't know. I still don't know. I've been thinking about how to articulate this all day and I still don't know. But basically... In the first third of the book, like, you know that Micah had this, like, family illness and she had, like, hair all over her body that went away when she hit puberty. And you know that there's, like, something weird going on because everything smells vaguely meaty to her. So, like, whatever, like, the Mandy calls them breadcrumbs. The breadcrumbs are there. And 
Like, that was all fine. Her mom and dad are obsessed with reminding her to take her pill, which, of course, is birth control. And we find out after the whole werewolf revelation that basically being a werewolf is brought on by menstruation and so she changes once a month and like the boy werewolves can only change if they're around girl werewolves so like girls have responsibility for that too and like blah 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 we could talk about all that wait hold on so that's just like the thing that happened but if the girl werewolves only changed around boy werewolves we'd be saying oh because girl werewolves are automatically tethered to boy werewolves and they can't be werewolves on their own hashtag feminism like (laughs) (laughs) no it's not I'm not critical of that. Like, I think that that was a very intentional thing on Justine's part. And even like later in the book, Micah's dad says to her, he's like, well, how did that boy change into a werewolf? Were you by him? It's clearly your fault. Like, it's intentional. I get it. Justine is like making an observation about like society and sexism. Like, I get it. Like, I am not saying that that was a bad detail. I am just saying, like, this whole werewolf thing, like, it's a whole thing. I don't know. I want to be able to articulate what held me up loving this book. And I guess it's open to interpretation. It is open to many different readings. And I do like that aspect. I guess I just didn't like the revelation at the 30. Like, it felt like two different books. There, I said it. So that is an opinion. My opinion is she's a liar. She told big lies. We believed it. Like she was talking about her brother. We believed it. We, the reader, obviously, like from Micah's perspective, we're picking up everything that she's putting down. Why not go for just the biggest lie of all? Like, I don't think she's a werewolf in real life. I mean, it's a book of fiction, but I don't think she's a werewolf. I think that being a werewolf is this lie that she has come up with because it is a reason for why she doesn't feel like a normal girl. It's a reason for why she feels like violent and angry and a reason why she killed Zach. Boom. Mic drop. Boom. Um, <laughs> I mean, sure. I don't know if that's a mic drop. Like, it's a pretty common reading. But like, I, I so, think like, it's just she, she saw willing victims in us, our hapless readers. And she was like, oh, these idiots will believe everything. I turn into a wolf once a month. It's because of my period or whatever. Like, <laughs> So as you know, I don't believe that she is a werewolf. Right. But I had a different reading. I also, like, did not believe her brother ever existed. Like, you know, when she was talking to him. And this is an interesting point. I, once again, I cannot name book titles, but... I do not know whether or not I thought her brother existed the first time I read it. I do not remember. But now I am super skeptical of characters that end up not existing. So I don't know if this book made me that way or if I've always been that way. But I'm like always skeptical that characters don't exist. But I think Jordan absolutely did exist. Jordan was Micah's brother. He absolutely existed. But not like on the page when we see him. No, but... I think that, like, Micah told us that he existed because she, like she says, the world is better the way she tells it. And in this version of the world, her brother is still around being, like, a brat that she hates. But she didn't kill him by accident. Right. And that means that her relationship with her parents is not as strained as it is in the actual reality that she has to deal with. Right. I read it that she killed him. Even though I read it differently from you, like, in 
my head, what we see on the page of him quote unquote existing is after she killed him and she like pretends that he's still alive. But anyway, that's very confusing. And hopefully everybody who hasn't read the book has left at this point and like <laughs> I hope that also <laughs> everybody still with us is like on the same page. Okay. So you mentioned one reading of the book, which is that Micah is using the whole werewolf thing as like a lie that justifies her violent nature and feeling like an outsider. And further on that reading, at least my reading, this is my interpretation of the book, is that she has been committed to some kind of like juvenile facility or institution because there are flashes of reality that come through where she's like, I'm stuck in a cell and they feed me pills. The school that she's in used to be a women's prison. Right. There's all these hints in there that show that she is not free on the farm or living at college. Um, as God, she wants we us cannot to mention any other titles. It's like mind-blowing how many things I want to mention here. But we will call that version of events version two. Version number one is straight fantasy. She's a werewolf. Okay. Okay. So reading number one, fantasy, she actually is a werewolf that lies. Reading number two, she is telling her version of events from some sort of facility. Version number three, my version which we should say Justine Larbalestier has said was not her intention at all. But my version is that this is Micah's gender dysphoria and the wolf stuff, like her wolf story, is like an extended metaphor constructed from her gender dysphoria, right? Like the wolf is like the male reality that she wants to live and she feels somewhere between this like male and female binary and she's like somewhere on that spectrum and like she suppresses the wolf self through birth control. I don't know. Like it is complicated because she has complicated feelings, but like in my reading, Micah is genderqueer. Like I said, Justine said no. So I... I dislike that reading. I think that it like there's a lot of people probably who agree with you because there's definitely like some textual support for it. But I guess what I don't understand about that reading is trans people are not violent. Like being genderqueer is not usually like a precursor to like lashing out at the world in this way that she has. I mean, obviously, like trans people can be serial killers, too. But like (laughs) in that way, like anybody can be a serial killer if you put your mind to it. But uh I just don't understand because, like, the wolf is, like, clearly part of, like, the violence inside her that is directed outward towards other people. And also, I should put in here, mentally ill people are not more likely to be violent than the general population. Like, they're much more likely to have violence done upon them, um, which is its own conversation, if that's, like, your interpretation of her werewolfness. But important to mention and know, like, not to build up stigma against folks with mental illness. So with this reading of her as transgender, how does, like, the actual violence, how does the white boy running around who she says killed him, how does that play out for you? What does that mean? Is it all lies? Like, is Zach not dead? I guess in my reading, like, Zach is dead, but she did not kill him. But he did have violence done to him. Perhaps if this is something that she is creating to, like, either make her reality more livable, like you said, make the world better than it is perhaps he had violence done to him because of his relationship with her like that happens in our world trans people have violence done to them 
And then people who are with trans people have violence done to them. So, like, that's real. I do not think that the wolf itself was violent. I think her, like, internal struggle with, like, giving into the wolf or, like, having her life in the city, like, undisturbed or, un like, complicated, those were struggles. But, like, she says herself that when she was on the farm actually being a wolf, she loved it. Like, she did say that that she loved it. She wants to go on to study, like, from a biological perspective, her werewolf self. Like, she loved those things. So, like, even if we perceive all of this as, like, happening only in her head, she's not violent as the wolf. And that's the whole point. Like, living this wolf-human binary is not outwardly violent. It's, like, inwardly violent. I think the brother thing, because I said that, like, in my reading, she did kill Jordan. Unrelated. Like, she got mad she killed Jordan. But it's not because she is genderqueer. It's because kids can be violent to each other. So I guess, you know, if you wanted to point out a loose end in my reading, that's the one. But, like, I'm not trying to say that trans people or genderqueer folks are violent. I did not think you were trying to say okay. that. I was just asking for like I how, just, you, how you read the book. I just want to clarify for our readers that I don't think that like trans people are murderous. Hot takes from the YA Cafe. I know, right? <laughs> well, we can agree to disagree. And that is why I want you to love this book so much more because there's so many valid interpretations of it. And I feel like it is extremely skillful to write a book in which like, there is so much ambiguity in the ending about what is real and what is not real. Like, having a book where you can just parse this apart and try to figure out, like, what's reality in a work of fiction is already just incredible. Like, it's so good to go through and try to, like, understand she's an unreliable narrator, but there's a real story in here somewhere. Right. And, like, trying to parse out what is the true story, I just think it says so many interesting things about who we are as readers and how we consume fiction and how fiction takes on its own reality. And I just love it. And I do appreciate that. And particularly, like, from the perspective of a teacher, just as we are sitting here having to do, like, you have to find – not, like – find the textual evidence that supports your claims but like you have to support your claims with evidence and you have to kind of like you know if you're going to talk about different readings like you have to support your reading and obviously like the person with the more details that support their reading that can tie up all those loose ends like they win because marriage is a competition <laughs> but I also thought that it was masterful. I did think that everything was intentional. And just because I didn't like it, you know, as much as you do or whatever, it doesn't mean that I don't think that it works. And so I read some bad reviews before we did this podcast episode. Boo. All those people are wrong, like objectively. But <laughs> Basically, you know, they said, to paraphrase, that this book was a hot pile of garbage because Boo. it's so here and there. But, like, I disagree. Every single thing is intentional and skillful. Oh, yeah. Like, intentional and skillful. So, like, this is not a Scrivener disaster. This is, like, a Scrivener <laughs> masterpiece. That's our show for today, friends. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this show, leave us a review. Happy reading! Happy reading!